Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. I am sure that I share the uh, feelings of so many people around the world, especially those who are outside of Israel, our brothers and sisters in Israel, obviously are going through a much different and much more serious a situation than we are. But the collective Jewish heart everywhere on this globe is aching tremendously, is certainly broken to an extent. And the news, as it started to spread on Shemini Atzeris morning, has only gotten worse and worse and worse. The enemy is very clever, as we've pointed out many times. And sometimes it's difficult to stay ahead of them and anticipate every one of their dastardly, murderous, and clever moves. It is um, quite obvious to state that what has happened over the last couple of days, especially Shabbos, especially Shemini Atzeres Simchas Torah in Israel, one has to imagine has been planned for quite a while by a group that's not known for its coordination and or expertise. And they've gone ahead and they have murdered Jews. They have kidnapped Jews. They have thrown our beloved country into a complete tailspin. And we know that in the end, we know who will be there to exact justice. We know who will be there to make sure that the the ones who are supposed to will emerge victorious. But now this pain is unfathomable. I know I speak for God knows how many when I express the feelings of guilt that we are so far at the moment from our homeland. We are looking on not involved, not in the game, on the sidelines, knowing that we belong with our brothers and sisters. With that in mind, we need to uh, continue to focus, deal with reality, and continue to focus on what's happening in Israel, transmitted to our children and grandchildren all through this episode, take leadership roles in our communities of significance. Leadership roles of significance. 
with ideas and with concepts that will make a difference in Israel. What that is exactly at the moment, I don't know if anyone is quite sure. But I'm hoping that our rabbinic leaders and our community leaders will in fact come up, as they have in the past, with creative ways that we can be there for our brothers and sisters in Israel, whether it means actually physically being there or whether it means uh, supporting them and doing their bidding somewhere else around the world outside of Israel. The horror and the fear and the terror that has been uh, experienced by so many of our brothers and sisters is just unbelievable, literally. But this is the enemy. The enemy doesn't care about anything. They don't care about children. They don't care about the elderly. They don't care about torture. They don't care about respect. They don't care about rules of law or rules of war. This is who they are. And hundreds of our brethren have already paid the price. The numbers are not completely accurate, but all of us are already familiar with the death toll that's, been de- that's being discussed at the moment at somewhere around 700 people, which is so hard to imagine, and the thousands who are injured. And God knows the number who've been kidnapped, who've been abducted, who are being tortured. God knows what the enemy has in their future. We have to pray not only for the one above to protect us and protect our land, to protect... residents of Israel and to protect Jews all around the world. In addition, we have to pray that he gives the leadership of the state of Israel and those to whom we turn in situations like this, the strength, the clarity, the ability to make the right decisions. and to lead us correctly at this time. There are a lot of things to be said. We will speak with uh, some of the people in Israel coming up between now and 9 a.m. Let's make sure that everybody in our communities here understands the gravity of what's happened Let us uh, make sure that our public officials here understand the gravity of what's happened. Let's make sure that members of the clergy of other faiths and leaders of other communities, now's the time to see who, in fact, our friends are. Now it's time to see who's willing to stand up for justice, for what's right, and to condemn the barbarism, the torture, the terror, that's been levied against our people.
It is a Monday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM on this Isru Chag outside of Israel. Today is Columbus Day, a legal holiday in the United States. And we'll have more coming up on this Monday morning broadcast at JM and the AM.
נכבד, מוכנים? רוצה להקדיש את השיר. To the best soldiers in the world. חיילי צה"ל.
We pray for the soldiers of Israel, the great men and women of the IDF, all the volunteers, all those who are who are now deployed with many different tasks that need to be that need to be executed. The um, I was somewhat surprised about some of the people who um, had mentioned to me that they were called up, them being of a certain age, etc. And uh, the reality is that there's so much to be done, especially when it comes to uh, making sure that all the bodies that are that are in the um, location of the attack in the southern part of Israel from uh, Shabbos morning that they be dealt with properly. It's, I mean, it's endless what has to be done. Absolutely endless. The um, couple of interesting things, and there's so many angles here, of course, to discuss primarily, primarily, before anything else. We are uh, focused on the families of those who have fallen. We are focused on the families and the loved ones of those who were murdered, hundreds who were murdered, starting Shabbos morning, starting Shemini Atzeris morning. Uh, whether it was the uh, massacre at the music festival, hundreds of people, uh, those killed in their homes, those killed by infiltrators into cities in Kibbutzim. That is our first, our first thoughts, of course, Secondly, we are very, very concerned, as everybody is around the world, about those who have been taken hostage. One can only imagine the torture and terror that they're experiencing. We have no idea what their fate is, what their present and future is. I don't know how the um, leaders of Israel, the political leaders, the army, IDF leader is going to be dealing with that whole situation. I just don't know how they could figure out a plan at this point. Hopefully they will have some type of uh, divine revelation and with the guidance of the one above, figure out how to save and how to maneuver and manipulate the enemy uh, to the point where they can um, save those who are being held by the enemy at this point. And then, of course, all the other things that are being uh, discussed. Yes, we have seen the videos of people in Israel doing everything in their power to provide for the soldiers. We know, especially in an emergency call-up like this, there is no preparation. There are soldiers now in areas that they're going to be serving for the next God knows how long without proper equipment, without proper provisions, food, um, basic necessities, and and that effort, which uh, no one can do like our brothers and sisters in Israel can do, is certainly underway, and there are many, many videos of that. Better to watch those videos than the videos of the abductions and the terror and the, um, and the mockery and the injuring um, that the enemy is um, publicizing 
constantly. One of the most disturbing aspects of this entire episode, and believe me, there are a lot of a lot of disturbing. I'm, I'm not talking about obviously the most disturbing, which is the murder of our brothers and sisters and the kidnapping of our brothers and sisters. I don't. I'm not losing focus on that being the main part of all of this that our brothers and sisters are going through. But there is a uh, a story, an article that I came across this morning. Vivian Nerium wrote it in Saudi Arabia. When the UAE, Bahrain, and Morocco announced they were establishing relations with Israel in 2020, Emirati officials said the deals were symbols of peace and tolerance. President Trump declared the dawn of a new Middle East. Those words rang hollow to many in the region, though. Even in the countries that signed the deals, branded the Abraham Accords, support for Palestinians, and enmity toward Israel over its decades-long occupation remains strong, particularly as Israel's government expanded settlements in the Palestinian West Bank after the agreements. On Saturday, when Palestinian gunmen from the blockaded territory of Gaza surged into Israel, carrying out the boldest attack in the country in decades, it set off an outpouring of support for the Palestinians across the region. In some quarters, there were celebrations. 70-year-old Abdel Majid Abdallah Hassan, who joined a rally with hundreds of people in Bahrain, said, this is the first time that we rejoice in this way for our Palestinian brothers. In the context of the occupation and blockade, the Hamas operation warmed our hearts, calling his government's deal to recognize Israel shameful. Demonstrations in solidarity with Palestinians took place across the region, Bahrain, Morocco, Turkey, Yemen, Tunisia, Kuwait, Lebanon. A fiery speech by the head of the Executive Council of Hezbollah, lauding the era of armed resistance. And in Egypt, in Alexandria, a policeman opened fire on Israeli tourists, killing two Israelis and an Egyptian. The ripples spreading from Gaza underscored what many officials, scholars, and citizens in the region have been saying for years. The Palestinian cause is still a deeply felt rallying cry that shapes the contours of the Middle East, and Israel's position in the region will remain unstable as long as it is as its conflict will remain unstable as long as its conflict with the Palestinians continues. Diplomatic normalization agreements between Israel and Arab governments, even with the powerhouse of Saudi Arabia, where American officials have been pushing recently for normalization, will do little to change that. Professor at Kuwait University said the current war is a stark reminder that lasting peace and prosperity in the region is only possible after resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. No amount of heavy lifting or acrobatics in dealing with Israel on other files can sidestep or erase this simple fact. With everything going on, and believe you me, like I said, the murder of our brothers and sisters in the hundreds, the abduction, the, the figure I saw today, let me just look before I say anything. 
At least 150 people, Israelis, are being held hostage by militants. And that, those, of course, as I keep saying, are the most important things to remember and the most important things to discuss in our communities and with our children and grandchildren and in our schools. That is the focus, obviously. But this, to me, is a very important sidelight, a very important thing to consider. The countries that have been warming up to Israel have been host to these pro Hamas rallies and have been uh, have had people representatives make very pro Hamas statements I'm all for I mean I, I celebrated the Abraham Accords obviously and I'm not at all changing from that position at the moment I wouldn't do that a day or two into the war but I think it's something that we have to remember we, there is only one we can depend on. There is only one we can depend on. There is only one we can depend on, and that is our Father in Heaven. Another report I just saw. Um, Israeli soldiers are still fighting militants in at least six locations in southern Israel near the border. As of this morning, an Israeli military spokesman said it had regained control of all the communities around 11.30 a.m. That would be, in this area, uh, that would be um, 5.30 in the morning, uh, 4.30 in the morning. But there were still clashes on the ground after the announcement. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht of the IDF said that not all the breaches in the border fence had been fully closed and more militants could still be crossing into Israeli territory from Gaza. We are still fighting, he said at a briefing Monday morning. We thought by this morning we'd be in a better place. More people died in Israel in a single day than in any Palestinian attack since Israel became a state, according to Israel's foreign press office. Around 700 Israelis had died since attacks began on Shabbos, according to Israel's foreign ministry. Last night at 10 p.m. Both sides are continuing attacks. And if Israel uses the same playbook it has in recent conflicts and clashes. Oh, and if Israel uses the same playbook it has in recent conflicts and clashes last more than a few days... Oh, I see. Okay. Now this is just a this is just a a discussion about um, which side, so to speak, lo- loses more people in these conflicts. I, I love how they equate the, the terrorists and their side with with those that they are attacking. It, it's it's just unbelievable. Um, the IDF's evacuating all civilians from 24 villages near Gaza. The move is an indication that Israel might be preparing for an operation inside the Palestinian coastal territory. The, um, 
the town the towns that are under the civilian uh, evacuation uh movement going from north to south so i think i think it's worth mentioning because we should know just how many people are affected and how many towns are taking this precaution going from north to south zikim karmia yad mordechai nativ hasara or haner ivim givim near am mefalsim kfar aza sad nachal oz alumim beri reim sufim ein hashlosha nirim near oz magain sufa near yitzchak cholit and kerem shalom we sometimes forget about all of our brothers and sisters that live in these towns right near the Gaza border. That is the, um, those are some of the latest live updates from uh, Israel. In hour number three this morning, if everything works out timing-wise, Malcolm Homeline is in Israel. In fact, he is scheduled to be at Hadassah Hospital later on this morning. Well, I guess we'd say in the afternoon. Um, to get an idea of what's going on there with the wounded, etc. He'll join us, uh, hopefully, after that visit coming up in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. Yassi Balmel, who we've spoken to uh, countless times in every kind of situation, he's going to be joining us live from Israel in the 7 o'clock hour. And uh, we will continue to focus on uh, the most important thing, and that is that uh, we've lost hundreds of our brothers and sisters in this uh, dastardly, cowardly, cowardice, I should say, um, multifaceted terror attack. Those who perpetrated it are not militants. They are terrorists. They are full-fledged, homegrown terrorists. They have no regard for human life. They have no regard for any type of decency, respect, rule of law. This is the way they live. Now, unfortunately, we've got to our brothers and sisters have gotten to see this firsthand, unfortunately. Uh, unlike uh, decades ago, we are living in a much smaller world. And one of, the re- one of the ways that we as Jews feel that is now at this point, most Jews in the diaspora have friends, relatives, people they know who are... Um, members of the IDF or IDF Reserve. Um, we've, we've heard, of, of course, of so many who are relatives of those who've already fallen. There are people who are, who are very familiar to us, who have already lost relatives in this, uh, in this war young soldiers, border patrol officials who um, were among the first casualties. And again, unlike years ago, 
we all know somebody. We all knew, know somebody who's um, who's in the IDF. We all know somebody who's uh, related to somebody in the IDF. And to hear the stories of what these call-ups were like on Shabbos, people in shul, people in yeshiva, and every few minutes, another boy, another young man would get the call that they've got to report immediately. Yeah. That's what life is like in Israel. And like I said, now we feel it. We feel it a lot more because we know so many people and the world is so much smaller. And so many of our friends and family over the years have moved from here to Israel and are now parents and grandparents of those who serve in the IDF. I'm looking at a list of those who were among the first killed. Um, Israeli police and border officers who were along the border. And the list is endless. And the list is 30 people. Imagine the 700. And God knows how many more. Uh, we'll check in with Yossi Balmel. We will uh, spend the morning together. Uh, feel free to comment on the app. Um, if you're listening in Israel, you have to know that uh, there are many people who who have you in mind. Many people around the world have you in mind. The collective Jewish heart is is aching, and it's not just empty words. We mean it. I know there are people here on this side of the world who cannot relate to what's going on. I get it. But there are some of us who are able to... um, who are able to at least relate in some way, even if we're thousands of miles away. And we are... we are aching and we are... um, thinking constantly of what everyone is going through. During these very difficult times. More coming up. It's Monday. It's JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. <clears throat> uh, Monday morning broadcast, Columbus Day here in the United States. Um, yeah, this uh, this observation has been made now, at least I've seen it multiple times, about um, uh, since the Holocaust... This number of Jews have never been, we have not, this number of Jews have not been murdered in a day since the Holocaust. This is the most Jews murdered in one day since the Holocaust. It may, it may be true. I don't know. I'd have to really think, but who wants to think of things like this? But uh, just the fact that we're making that observation tells you how insane this whole situation is. Um... I admire those who have not... Someone mentioned to me that, that they have not watched any of the videos. That the most they saw was one video of a kidnapping taking place, and that was it. They made a commitment not to watch anymore. And frankly, that's uh, admirable because it's so important to keep a positive attitude. Netzach Yisrael Yishaker. Am Yisrael Chai. In the end, we know... We have the one above to depend on. It is it is important to keep as as difficult as things are, obviously. And uh, the videos that they are watching are those of, uh, as I said earlier, those of thousands of people around Israel who are rallying around the soldiers and are providing for them food and provisions and necessities and things that they're likely going to need because Israel was not prepared for this, obviously. And the number of call-ups, I mean, every time we hear about any community, any synagogue, any group, any yeshiva, it seems everybody's been called up. I don't know what the actual percentages are or the, the actual numbers, but uh, we're talking about what sounds like a full reserve deployment. Again, it may not be officially that, but that's what it sounds like. So imagine how many of our brothers and sisters need our help. Um... Yossi Baumel is going to join us 10 minutes from now, by the way. He says to me that uh, he doesn't know what he could add to all this, and frankly, I agree with that. <laughs> I don't think there's anything anybody can add, but it's important, and we always say this about this radio broadcast, it's important to just be together and uh, express what we need to express and to discuss what we need to discuss and to hear the music that we need to hear at this time, etc., cetera, et cetera. Uh, listener Tikva says online there's a video of a chayal seeing the bris of his son on Zoom and saying the brachot of the bris. I saw that video. Mi kamcha Yisrael. It is, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I am sure, <laughs> I am sure when that father planned the bris, he was not thinking that this were is this where he would be. It was probably an amazing week for his family that turned out to be a very difficult one. Certainly still amazing in Simchadik, but you get my point. Obviously a very, very difficult one. What was it like when he left his family to go off to war? The video I saw of the soldier hugging his pregnant wife as he was saying goodbye to her. And the scene, as my son described, of the uh, boys in yeshiva 
who got the call approached their Rebbe for a, on Shemini Atzeres morning, approached their Rebbe for a bracha and then grabbed their stuff and left. By the way, since I am among the most critical of our religious leaders, when, especially when I feel they need to be criticized, let me, and, and, and many people may not think this is a big deal. Many people may think that this is a, that this is, you know, to have been expected, etc. But I don't know, sometimes decisions are made. I'm not, and, I'm, and again, now I'm not being critical. I'm being serious. Sometimes decisions are made and people don't understand the enormity or gravity of the decision and, uh, you know, and, and may regret it. I was hoping, I was hoping that, well, of, of course, we assumed on this side of the world, the Hakafashnios and everything that normally is planned for, uh, for a Saturday night would not take place. And, of course, those gatherings either turned into very serious Kumsitz-type uh, gatherings or turned into uh, tefillah gatherings, both of which I'm sure were much needed, of course were much needed, um, on Saturday night in Israel. But I wondered about Ben Azmanim. I wondered about the about the um, the days between Sukkot and Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh, I think, is Sunday, right? So it's Sukkot and Rosh Chodesh. And what would it be like? What would the um, leaders of the Torah study community do? And sure enough, it seems, at least based on everything that we've heard, that everybody has called for everybody to get back to yeshiva and to be part of a regular daily Torah study schedule as of today. And um, honestly, I, I, I felt that was not just appropriate, but, but heartwarming. That the, um, the Torah giants understood that if we're going to be serious about winning this war on all fronts, including the spiritual and religious front, begging the one above constantly for his help, and saving the hostages and comforting the families, in winning the war against the enemy, eradicating these terrorists. If we're going to do that, then we belong in the yeshiva. And that was so wonderful to hear that. And, and it was obviously wonderful to hear how many yeshivas, in fact, followed that directive and are now in full swing, so to speak, today in Israel. Kolakavod. Kolakavod. We don't take anything for granted. Kolakavod. The um, the opinion piece that's been circulating by uh, Shimrit Mayer, senior advisor to Naftali Bennett when he was Prime Minister of Israel. His uh, 
I, this is an article that this is an opinion piece that I think I should read in its entirety. I don't know if I'll do it right now. But here is some of the uh, here here's some of the, the quotes. The acts of deep solidarity that we witnessed in the past day remind us of our true nature beneath the layers of political differences and old resentments. So many have opened up their homes to families fleeing the horrors in the South, lined up for hours to donate food, drink, and blood. And then there were the heroes who risked and in too many cases sacrificed their lives going from home to home, saving family after family. Yeah, that's very true. As a nation, Israelis acted as if we could afford the luxury of a vicious internal fight, the kind in which your political rival becomes your enemy. We let animosity demagogy and the poisonous discourse of social media take over our society rip apart the only jewish army in the world this is our tragedy and it carries a lesson for other polarized democracies there's someone out there waiting to gain from your self-made weakness this someone is your enemy yeah yeah I know this is not the time for it because there'll be time to assess all of this and um, and to soul search, etc. Right now there are other priorities, but uh, I remember um, a good friend of mine at one of the dinners years ago said that his father had always warned he's not worried about Jewish unity in times of crisis. He's worried about Jewish unity in times of peace. Yeah, unfortunately, we have an amazing opportunity for unity right now. And it does seem that we're taking advantage of it. Thank God. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. This is Galei Tzal. This is the top of the hour. You are listening to Galei Tzal. הלילה מחצות עד שלוש, בן פרג' ושחר אמנו מזמינים אתכם לשיחות משותפות אל תוך הלילה. מרגישים צורך לדבר? תוכלו ליצור קשר במספר 03-681-3344. אתם לא לבד. הלילה מחצות עד שלוש, גלי צהל. מיד אחרי החדשות, יעל דן. צהל מירושלים השעה שתיים, שלום רב, באולפן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. מתחיל רקטות כבדים בשעה האחרונה לדרום ומרכז הארץ. באשקלון ארבעה בני אדם נפצעו, בהם גבר בן 75 במצב קשה, ושני גברים במצב בינוני ופצוע נוסף במצב קל. באשדוד, אישה בת 50 נפצעה קשה. 
במקביל לתקיפות נרחבות ומשמעותיות בשעה זו בעזה, מצטרף אלינו כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש. שלום לך דורון, מה יודעים? שלום רן, אז כן, צה"ל תוקף בשעה זו תקיפה מסיבית ביותר בשטח רצועת עזה. גלי ההדף של התקיפה הזו מורגשים במהלך השעה האחרונה גם בתל אביב. למעשה צה"ל משמיד שטחים נרחבים ברצועה שמשמשים שטחי כינוס של מחבלים בשטח אני, הרצועה. אני עוצר אותך רגע, כי אנחנו רואים, אנחנו רואים עכשיו פיקוד העורף גם אה, טילים על אזור רמת נפתלי, לפחות בצפון בכלל. לפחות מה שאנחנו רואים מהתראות פיקוד העורף, רמות נפתלי ויפתח. מרכז האזורים מבואות חרמון, רמות נפתלי ויפתח, שם אזעקות כרגע והתושבים מתבקשים להתפנות למרחבים המוגנים. דורון, תודה רבה לך, תודה רבה. שר הביטחון גלנט קיים בצהריים הערכת מצב בפיקוד הדרום ואמר, הוריתי להטיל מצור מוחלט על עזה. אנחנו מטילים מצור מוחלט על העיר עזה. אין חשמל, אין מזון, אין מים, אין דלק. הכל סגור. אנחנו נלחמים בחיות אדם ואנחנו נוהגים בהתאם. בצה"ל אומרים כי מקווים לסיים את גיבוש תמונת מצב הנפגעים, הנעדרים והחטופים בתוך 72 שעות. שלי שם טוב, שבנה עומר נעדר מאז המסיבה ברעים, קראה אצל אמיר איבגי, שום גורם רשמי לא יוצר איתנו קשר. גם אחרי המסיבת עיתונאים, אחד לא פנה אלינו. ביקשנו והתחננו אתמול במסיבת עיתונאים שגל הירש, שמישהו יפנה אלינו, ואף אחד עדיין לא פנה אלינו. אנחנו לבד. וכשאני אומרת אנחנו, אני לא מדברת רק על עצמי, אני מדברת על כל המשפחות האלה שעכשיו מרגישות חסרי אונים, שלא יודעות מה קורה לילדים שלהם ולמשפחות שלהם. המגעים לממשלת חירום לאומית, פגישתם של נציגי הליכוד והמחנה הממלכתי, הסתיימה בצהריים עם הפרטים, כתבנו המדיני הנרכזי. במהלך הפגישה נדונה ההצעה מטעם המחנה הממלכתי להקים קבינט מלחמה מצומצם שינהל בפועל את המערכה, ובו יינתן ייצוג משפיע למחנה הממלכתי ולשרים מטעם ראש הממשלה. בנוסף, יישמר מקום לנציגים נוספים מהאופוזיציה שירצו להצטרף. חברי קואליציה וממשלה מפעילים לחץ דרך הרשתות החברתיות, ביניהם השר סמוטריץ', יושב ראש הכנסת אוחנה וח"כים נוספים, הקוראים להקים ממשלת חירום מיד. הערכה בקרב גורמים פוליטיים היא כי עוד היום תצא הודעה על הקמת ממשלת חירום. חוזרים לכתבנו בצפון, דורון, כתבנו הצבאי דורון קדוש, עם ההתראות שקיבלנו על נפילות, אולי באזור יפתח בצפון. כן, רן, אז לפני ממש שתי דקות הופעלה התראה ביישובים רמות נפתלי ויפתח. זו הפעם הראשונה מאז תחילת המלחמה שנשמעות אזעקות באזור הצפון. התושבים שם מתבקשים להתפנות למרחבים המוגנים. מדובר צה"ל נמסר כי הפרטים בבדיקה. זאת אומרת, עדיין לא יודעים אם הייתה שם נפילה או שזה רק איזושהי התראה. נכון, בשלב הזה מדובר על אזעקות. עדיין לא ברור האם אכן בוצעו שיגורים לתוך שטח מדינת ישראל. אי אפשר גם לפסול את האפשרות שאולי מדובר באזעקות שווא. הפרטים האלה נמצאים כאמור בבדיקה. אנחנו נעדכן בהקדם. דורון קדוש, כתבנו הצבאי, תודה רבה. מכאן למזג האוויר, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, צפוי גשם מקומי, ואלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. J.M. in the A.M., that, of course, our uh, news from Israel, Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio News. Yassi Balmol, who's been a guest of ours many, many times. Many of you know that, of course, he's a resident of Efrat, Israel. He's with us live via telephone. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much for joining us. Good morning. Uh, I wish I could say it's my pleasure, but I'm 
prepared to do anything for you, Nahum. That much I appreciate. Before we get back to, I mean, I, I want to discuss what the um, what the shock of Shabbat morning, Shemini Atzeret morning w- was like. I think it's important for people around the world, especially here, to get a perspective of the shock and turmoil that our brothers and sisters were uh, tossed into immediately. In addition, of course, to all the murder and kidnapping, which we can discuss. But let's just talk for a moment about this immediate um, news report we just heard. It, 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 we're getting the feeling here that uh, that things are, are 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 out of control, so to speak. That um, that uh, there's an attempt by the Israeli army to secure as many of the communities as possible and evacuate those that are necessary to evacuate, especially in the south. But that this is taking quite a quite a while to do. Is this all because of the shock and the surprise of the attack, or, or are there other things happening that we should know about? Uh, I think certainly in the beginning it was out of control, but uh, I think that's not the reason. I think right now we're dealing with people uh, in various places who may be hostages and with the situation is not clear and you, know, you don't want to get any, any extra people killed. And these kind of things have to be done carefully. And therefore, uh, they're going from, they're just combing the entire area, going from community to community to make sure they don't know. Some of the some of the uh, terrorists made believe they were dead uh, victims and then they woke up and started shooting. So this is a very, very, very delicate operation and it, it, it obviously takes time. Yassi Balmo's with us. You know, we've heard, and again, you could imagine here, Shabbos and Sunday, we're just getting, you know, dribs and drabs of information from different people in the neighborhood, etc. And, and then, of course, once things ended, Yuntiv ended for us last night, we're all thrown into this, um, into this ocean of news. Um, we, we've heard a lot, and what seems to be a lot of updates, obviously regarding the festival, which, you know, hundreds of people were murdered, which is a tragedy in and of itself. And then we've heard about what's happening in places like Ashdod and Ashkelon and, of course, the kibbutzim that were infiltrated. I'm not getting, and I don't know if you have this, I'm not getting a clear picture about what happened in Steyrot and what the death toll was in Steyrot and if people are still in Steyrot. I'm only asking you this because, obviously, I, I know that you have tremendous... Uh, uh, friendships and uh, relationships in Stay Road. Have you heard anything that you could update us in terms of what's happening there in that city? Uh, the la- the last I heard uh, that that uh, they had one one uh, one suspected terrorist under control in the police station, but apparently there are others roaming around still. From what I saw, like a couple of hours ago. And do you know I had some personal uh, and work things to de- deal with in the last two hours? So I I, I, w- I have not up to date to the second. And you know, in the old days, I told you this many times on the air that in the old days I used to come from Israel and I would tell all the news. But I just got updated from you from Galitzal because I didn't hear the news in the last two hours. And were there murders in Steyrot? I mean, what happened there on the Chag? Do you know? Uh, I do not know. I, I I just I can't get a. Uh... Because we saw some videos, you know, from that were obviously uh, in Steyrot, and I just, uh, anyway, anybody out there in this audience certainly may have information because of the close relationship that the people in this audience have with Steyrot and the religious community there. So anybody who has anything, obviously, just forward us the information. All right, so I've heard from my son, who's in Yeshiva Dakotel, and I've heard from my brother, who spent um, Shabbat Shemini Atzeres in Ramat Beit Shemesh as a guest of his daughter, and... They described what it was like uh, to to witness um, uh, boy after boy, man after man, soldier after soldier, 
uh, being called up. What was your experience like on the Chag this past Shabbat? Uh, well, I woke up in the morning and I heard thunder and I looked out the window and I didn't see any clouds. And I was immediately reminded of uh, our summer vacations up in the Galil 30 years ago when they were Katusha's and you could hear those sounds in the distance. And that's what I was hearing. I figured something was going on. A minute later, uh, someone knocks on my door. Do I have the key to the Miklat? Which I don't because we expanded our house and we have our own protected room. Uh, so we were looking for the key for the for the uh, shelter, which is right next to the main shul here in our neighborhood. Uh, so that's how I found out that something was going on. I didn't you know what was going on. And so, uh, again, during the course of the day, uh, we only got little snippets of information. I mean, the, the people from the security came through to make sure that we had a bomb shelter. We had one of the few minyanim because we have a small shul. Um, you know, our Rabbi Avi Berkowitz from the Lower East Side. Uh, he's the rabbi of our shul, and it's a very small shul, and we have a, a, a uh, shelter in the shul, so we opened the davening, the entire davening. Most of the shuls canceled davening, so it was in the morning. Uh, well, and what about and, this, uh, uh, what about the the atmosphere as people started to get called up, and it became obvious that there was activity going on that normally I would have to assume would not be going on Shabbat morning in Efrat? Honestly, I live in a neighborhood where I'm from the younger couples, so you know people from our immediate neighborhood won't call up right away. By the time Shabbat was out, I found out that my son was called up, and, and uh, my son Mordechai, the musician, uh, was called up. He was supposed to be the uh, entertainment at Shlomo Katz's Hakafot uh, Shniot, and uh, he was called up. Uh, and uh, I have a few. Son, I have a son and a son-in-law who are doing, uh, you know, guard duty in Yishuvim. And I have a son-in-law who's on his way now. He just landed now. He was in Cleveland, and he left his wife and three kids in Cleveland and came back to his unit. And my daughter's coming slowly back uh, through uh, Newark a little later today. Um, but uh, everybody, everybody has people called up, and unfortunately, oh, I have uh, friends close friends who've lost either grandsons or, uh, or sons. Um, it, it's, it's strange, but, uh, you know, there's a Barakai Yeshiva in Brooklyn, two people who we sent to, uh, to, uh, work there, uh, Achia, um, Eliyahu and Yoshua Shani both lost sons, uh, over the last 24 hours, uh, in the fighting. Uh, they were both, uh, basically ran this Barakai school and when it started off uh, years ago in, uh, in Brooklyn. Anyway, uh, and there's others, uh, friends from Brooklyn who came in Alia soon after us lost a grandson, and uh, it's it's not good. I have uh, quite a few soldiers, grandchildren in the army right now, uh, and uh, that's the story. It's not. I know. I know you wanted me to be on the phone so I can give you some of my optimistic. Uh, views of what's going on and it's not that's not easy to do oh right no now. i'm not looking for optimism at all i think that people need to hear from those who are there and what you just described to us in terms of uh, those who you know personally and those who are in your own family or either serving or or unfortunately as you described who actually lost sons or grandsons already i am optimistic about the spirit of the jewish people i'm sure heads will roll when this is all over i don't know how far the heads will roll but uh Heads will roll because this is is unparalleled 
mess up that we, we cannot understand. The great Israeli Mossad didn't know a day before that it was going to happen. We knew what was going on in Egypt, but they just didn't act on it in the Yom Kippur War. And here we didn't know what was going on a day before. And we didn't know that this was the scenario that they were practicing. We knew this for months already, that they were practicing this scenario. Maybe not quite as large and widespread, but we knew they were planning to do this kind of stuff. And you know, the, and the trucks knocked down the the uh, the uh, the, uh, the guardrail at the uh, Erez uh, checkpoint, and they started coming through in regular cars. You know, just coming through one after another. How could this possibly happen? We don't understand how this possibly could have happened. And uh, but I think we are rebounding tremendously well. Um, I don't know exactly what's going on in the government. I think. Uh, Bibi's very good at talking, and I think he understands now that talking is not the thing to do. He's barely spoken up since this started, uh, but I think they're working very, very hard. And you, we heard now on the on the rate on the Galitzal report uh, what the Minister of Defense said, which is you wouldn't catch me saying something that sounded so overtly um, ferocious as what he said now. So um, you understood what he said. He said we're dealing with animals, and we will deal with them uh, as as animals should be dealt with. That's what he said, more or less. I don't know. He said it even worse. But uh, in no, any case, I, I don't hear- know what's, I don't know, I have no, I'm not uh, privy to what's going on. I ran into Carolyn Glick by the mailbox the other day, uh, yesterday, and I told her that for years now, I've been thinking to myself that if I was prime minister, I'd appoint her to be this minister of defense because you can't take somebody who's one of the old boy network to be in charge over there. It just doesn't work. They don't think out of the box. You need somebody from the outside to run the show there. And I'm sad to say that uh, we've been very, very, very disappointed. But even they in their positions need to be briefed by members of the intelligence. And, you know, I mean, they they can't be completely held responsible. They're depending on people who supposedly have expertise in this to to feed them information and to be able to make decisions based on that. Look, there's one thing to know that they didn't know when it would happen. That I, I, you know, I can understand that somehow that happened, but not to be prepared for it. That's just unforgivable. Unforgivable. Yeah, and unfathomable. And uh, in in this case, not to minimize, of course, the hundreds that, of brothers and sisters that we've lost, um, obviously, but now you have this added great concern about those who've been kidnapped and how they are being dealt with. You mentioned animals before, how they're being dealt with. We know how animals treat people in that situation. And uh and it, and it, le- it one would assume it's going to leave the prime minister and others who make decisions with uh, the inability to do certain things, knowing that uh, now I see that the figure is 150. I don't know. None of us know what the accurate figure is of Israelis who are being held hostage at this time. That that whole yeah, element. We don't we don't know how many, but the people, the, our leaders, who in the past said, you know, if we go into the Gaza Strip. We have to be willing to take the risk of, of, of losing 100 to 150 soldiers. The people who are afraid to do that are losing 10 times that much now. And uh, there's equal amount of soldiers and, and 10 times as many civilians who are not supposed to be on the front line. And uh, I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I don't I, this is beyond understanding. Uh, all I know is that this will be a different country when it's all over. We're strong enough to overcome this. We will overcome it. We have no choice but to overcome it. And when the dust settles, uh, it'll be a much healthier nation uh, afterwards. I'm sure of it. There's only one we can rely on. Yes, that's exactly what it says in all the midrash. I'm not going to go there about Mashiach and all that stuff now, but 
אין לנו על מי שאין, אבינו שבשמיים. Well, I, uh, He's the only one, and by uh, an article I read this morning, um, which describes just how much support the quote-unquote Palestinians are getting uh, in certain countries, including countries that have had very warm relations with Israel for the last couple of years. And uh, that's why I just, um, not only is, is he, the you know, capital H, the only one we could depend on, but in addition to that, I think we have to come to the reality that No matter what, Israel and the Jewish people are always going to be alone. We, there, there is nobody and certainly no other country, no matter how good our relationship is with them, that we're going to be able to depend on, uh, especially when it comes to the security of the people of Israel. Look, uh, I'm not talking about depending, but certainly, and I, you know that I'm not exactly a Democrat uh, but uh, these days, but uh, Joe Biden really has been acting, or his advisors, whoever, but he's been acting quite good, but better than we expected uh, under such conditions. Uh, and uh, you're right, you know, when, when you have an infection, all well, the pus comes out. And uh, people will understand now that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. It's exactly that. And, uh, and uh, we have to go through a period of time when these things come out and it's going to hurt, and, but afterwards things will, will get better. I'm sure of it. What about That's the, all uh, I can say. What about the atmosphere? Um, you know, in every community, I think around the world, people are walking around depressed, you know, no matter how much optimism there might be and no matter how many videos of, of people lined up to give blood and to, and to make sure that uh, Israeli soldiers have the provisions and necessities and food that they need. Uh, nonetheless, uh, it, it can be very depressing. I mean, in your neighborhood, in your community, I mean, I, even with all the optimism that you describe will eventually settle in, I would assume it's, a, it's got to be a very difficult time right now. It is a difficult time, but people are reacting by giving, by preparing sandwiches, by giving food, by bringing, I emptied out my house of toothpastes and toothbrushes and uh, other such things and brought them over to, to give out to soldiers here. Uh, you know, this is, everybody is doing what they can. A lot of these people were, were drafted with just the shirt on their back. Right. They have absolutely nothing with them, and uh, we're trying to make sure that they get fed and they get, uh, and they get the minimal supplies that they need uh, until uh, the armies can kick in and uh, do what they have to do but it's it's going very well people are just lining up to help and uh, that's what happens when you know we're one family and we all get together and as opposed to the feelings of divisiveness that we had uh, up until recently at least that's a, a good result of what's going on is that people are really uh, really really uh, sticking together right now and can I assume that nobody rejected the call to serve in the reserves of the Israel Defense Forces when asked. I haven't heard of a single case, not a single case. And I point that out, not of course, because case. during the period of time that you were referring to, there were those who made a point of saying that they would sit out if... Uh, it was virtual, it was all virtual, it was all PR, and uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't real. It never was real. Very, very few people really uh, who... Um, said those kind of things, you know, who were in any kind of position to help if they wanted. Well, to. I mean, you know, 60 Minutes decided to highlight and profile them, so, you know, they got a lot of good publicity out of it. But. Oh. 
Now I know where the truth comes from. Yeah. I thought it was from Mount Sinai. Now yeah. I know it's a 60 Minutes. Yeah. I was on 60 Minutes. I know better. <laughs> I was once on 60 Minutes years ago. Was that also Leslie Stahl? Because it seems she always gets the Israel stories. Was it also her? Uh, I don't know. This is uh, in my Tarot Kwanim days. You know, They right. were waiting outside of Joe Frager's house when he picked up the, boat, the, the uh, newspaper in the morning. Right. And uh, whatever. Not important. I know it's not important, but it is important because sometimes the uh, perception is that God, God knows how many of our brothers and sisters have had it with us. And in the reality is uh, something like this happens and you realize we're all family. You realize that the first thing they're going yeah, yeah, to do is drop, is drop everything. And I wish that was the point that would get it, you know, across to the media, whether it was before or during the war, uh, that you know that the Jewish people are ready to drop everything and do whatever is necessary uh, to be there for each other, uh, e- even when they themselves say they won't do that. They they they, they surprise themselves sometimes. We surprise ourselves sometimes with the unity that we feel and the obligation that we feel toward each other. Yeah, you know, like uh, we signed up to host uh, families from the South, but there's so many people who, who are volunteering that they haven't contacted us yet. yet. Wow. And I'll never forget that feeling in 2005, when I, I don't remember which kibbutz it was in, when I visited the area and they were all supporting the uh, the uh, expulsion from Gaza. There was even a bar set up in one of the kibbutzim there for the reporters. It was called the... Uh, Barish will hit not good or something like that, where they were uh, making money off of this stuff. And, you know, and well, you forget all of that when you when people, when you see what you see and you know what, you know, these people were living there on the front line uh, in a very, very, very uh, problematic place, even before there was tension with Gaza. It was not an easy place to live. And they're real, real, the old style pioneers of Israel. Uh, and we are all opening their hearts, our hearts to them, no matter what the past uh, held in, in the past. Did the yeshivas in your area reopen today, uh, days earlier than scheduled? No, no. I actually had to go over to the yeshiva now. It was like a really sad thing to see because, you know, we had our big Chanukah um, uh, inaugural dedication ceremony, we had thousands of people. The chairs are still there. You know, this place looks like a ghost town. It's, you know, just, you know, it's no workers, no work going on. And it was really very sad. Because the uh, very, very be, sad be, because see. many of the Torah leaders in Israel, to their credit, and I, I'm the first to criticize when they when they, it, I, I'm the first usually to criticize in situations like this, but to their credit, they called on everybody to get back to yeshiva today, and many yeshivas around Israel did reopen. And as I always say, if we're going to fight these wars on every front, including the spiritual and Torah front, then everyone's got to do their part. So I was happy to see that. There were, there were even Haredi rabbis who told the boys, if you're really a hard learner, come back to yeshiva now. And if not, go out and volunteer and help. I can give you an example. My daughter who lives in the Gahot, there are three men who are left behind in the yeshiv. They're all out. They're all been, been uh, what you call it. Don't yeah. worry. There's the army is there, and there's there's other people there. But but uh, as far as the people who live there, the regular residents, there are only three men of, who's with their families in the whole entire community. They're all in the army on the front line. And uh, maybe these yeshivas, instead of learning in, in Yerushalayim, should go to these far out places and have ten guys, you know, that's what Batlanim was supposed to be, right. to sit in each town and learn Torah there instead of uh, somewhere else. Right. Anyway, everybody is coming together. I know that uh, the uh, Haredi members of the government uh, on Shabbos took part in the meetings and, and everything, and uh, 
people are really coming together, and that's uh, the one good thing that's coming out of this terrible, terrible tragedy. You've seen a lot over the years since moving to Israel. A lot of terror attacks, a lot of wars, a lot of episodes that did require uh, the the uh, residents of Israel to get together and to act as one. But th- there's something different about this one, Yossi. Yeah, look, you know, I was thinking over the last few months, a lot. there's been a lot of terror in Yudan Shomron. And all of a sudden, we're the safe place compared to other places. And unfortunately... Uh, the it's, I once said Eric Yisrael is like an old man and you have to ache sometimes in your hip, sometimes in your shoulder. You know, it's, it moves from place to place. And now the terrible, terrible tragedy of the uh, of that uh, nature part, race part, whatever it's called out yeah. there. Uh, it, it just it's it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking to see what happened over there, and uh, buildings in Tel Aviv being knocked down, and uh, it's it's you know it's it's spread all around, and we all know that this we're all in this together, that we all have to be here for each other. Stay safe, my friend, and best regards to everybody in Aretz. Okay, and I just want to thank uh, a good friend of mine from New Jersey who's going to the airport to help my daughter out with her three kids and suitcases uh, while they're uh, while 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 they're waiting in the airport to check into El Al this afternoon. Uh, he knows who he is. I'm not going to mention his name and his wife, and just thank you to them. And uh, thanks to everybody for helping out as much as you possibly can. We should share good news and happy news in Mir Tashem soon. Amen. Thank you, Yossi. Yossi Balmo from Israel, of course. J.M. and A.M. on a Monday morning <coughs> as we continue to focus on the uh, our brothers and sisters who have been uh, murdered in, these, um, in this coordinated, cowardly terror attack of um, Shemini Atzeris. Hundreds killed. Um, as we continue to focus and pray for those who've been abducted, men, women, and children who are now kidnapped and being held hostage. I don't know how the government of Israel or the leaders of the Israel Defense Forces are going to deal with that whole situation. I don't know. I just hope God gives them the strength and the know-how to figure it out and to do whatever possible to help those who are being held I um I hope that the uh I hope that the um I hope that those who make those decisions will have the guidance of the one above. That is a very difficult situation. Um we have to uh, focus and uh, and make sure that our children and grandchildren, our students in schools, um, people in our communities, we have to make sure that they are focused on the um, on the terrible situation that's happening now in Israel. We have to be focused on on all of that and make sure that our children, our students, our congregants, we have to make sure that all 
of um, our brothers and sisters who are thousands of miles away from Israel and may have difficulty relating to what's going on. We have to make sure that they understand the enormity of what's been happening. We have to make sure that uh, that we um, contact our public officials. That's a good activity, by the way, for high schoolers. We should have, every high school should make sure that every level of government, whether it be a state assembly person, a state senator, U.S. senator, uh, local congress people, uh, the city officials here in New York, all of them should be made aware about how concerned people are with what's going on in Israel and with how concerned we are about pro-Palestinian protests that are going on in these different cities around here. Um, and of course, uh, as we continue to find out more about what we can do and the funds that are being established, etc., we will pass those along. Um, also, I, I don't understand how every synagogue did not have some type of emergency, um, to him, some type of emergency, um, prayer gathering scheduled for for today it doesn't make sense to me i I saw certain um tehillim gatherings that have been scheduled for later in the week i I don't understand that why why would why would every synagogue in the world not have something scheduled for today whether it's after shockers this morning whether it's in the afternoon and you invite the local school children or whether it's tonight because you know it's monday night and and it's the first normal night, so to speak, in the diaspora since the holiday only ended last night. Why would there not be a Tehillim and Tefillah uh, emergency gathering, even if it's a half hour, everywhere, so that we can focus on what's going on in Israel? Makes no sense to me. So please, if you're a leader of a community and certainly of a synagogue, keep that in mind, please that the uh, that there there's value there is value we know this from our history there is value in an em- emergency to Hillam and Tfila gatherings there's value in it we know it the same way I'm praising those Torah giants that have asked for the yeshivas to open now today as opposed to waiting another week until Rosh Chodesh there's value in that if we're going to win the war on the front of uh, spirituality and the front of uh, of uh, of Torah then we need to to act uh, in that way as well. We need to to act in that regard as well. Rabbi David Goldwasser, uh, one of our great religious guides, always has an interesting perspective when it comes to the to the terrible tragedies that our brothers and sisters endure in Israel, and this one is uh, is quite a tragedy to say the least. Rabbi Goldwasser is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Goldwasser, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It is good to be together at a time of great challenge for all of Klal Yisrael. It's a, I think it was summed up in th- three words, Ace Soroliakov. It's a great time of travel. For B'nai Yisrael, it, it, it's an interesting point that we always turn to face east when we daven. 
every shul, usually the Aaron is in the eastern side, on the eastern wall. So we pray there because we know that our prayers go there. But what we sometimes lose sight of is that is the central focus of our lives. Not only when we got to pray three times a day, I have to take out my phone and see the compass, where is it at? It means that that is the focus. That's what I'm geared in on. Lukut Maran says that Israel is the heart of the world. Our heart is Israel. According to the way that Israel runs is according to the way that the Jewish people around the world are running. Yeah. I, I couldn't help it over here when you talked about Elder Shul's. Uh, I, I couldn't be with you more. Every single person had to realize the urgency. We had a shliach that came, and uh, the night of Simchas Torah, he told us a little bit what was unfolding. He said at that minute, at that time, there were 50 hostages that were taken. So I said, okay, no hakopets. First of all, let's let's have a seder, and let's daven, and let's everybody learn. I'll give a share, and anybody that wants to learn or give a share, please. And we did it. And uh, I think we did hakafas too afterwards, but right. uh, I think that's the it, it's the call of urgency that everybody has to take to heart. And what you always bring everybody together on is it's not the Jews in Israel, it's not the Chayalim on the front lines, it's not all the Sadiqim that are fighting inside the base matters and on the front lines. It's us. It is an attack on us. And we have to take it as though we would be right there in Israel. Yeah, it's fact. It's interesting you say it that way. Rabbi Goldwasser is with us. It's interesting you say it that way. Ideally, what should we be doing, everybody, ideally? Ideally, we should be dropping everything and going to Israel. We should be with our brothers and sisters. And uh, as Yossi Baumol described, there are communities now without any men in them. We should be out, out there helping out. And that would, that would be obviously the ideal, but that's not realistic, which is not a criticism. It's not realistic. But we have an obligation to keep our brothers and sisters at the forefront of our minds. And the, one of the ways of doing that is to have emergency Tehillim and Tefillah gatherings. Now, Rabbi Goldwasser, I am somewhat warmed by the fact that we just got two reports. One, that cars are going around Geula and Meir Sharim for Tehillim gatherings in Zichron Moshe. And the reason that's significant, frankly, is because you know that, that every single... Every single facet, faction, part of the community needs to be united. And it's, as I said, it's amazing to see the Torah giants who insisted on opening the yeshivas today and not waiting a week during Ben Azmanim. It's a shame that it takes something like this to bring everyone together for Tehillim and Tefillah. But at least people are rec- in every type of Jewish neighborhood are recognizing the importance of it. And then our good friend Ralph tells me that tonight in East Brunswick, all the shuls together are having a Tehillim 
gathering, and that's what we need. We need all of the uh, communities around the world to get together and display the achdus that is now going on in Israel. We need to feel the same achdus. We need to display the same achdus, the same unity. And, of course, the best way to be unified is to gather together and daven together and say Tehillim together. So I'm, I'm asking everybody, I'm asking everybody, yes, I will continue to encourage people to contact public officials and to express outrage about certain rallies that are going on in this area. And I will certainly encourage people to continue to bring all this news to our children and grandchildren and concentrate in school and yeshiva, concentrate at least part of the day on what's going on in Israel. But I am begging every single community out there, every community in the diaspora, get together, get together in Davin, get together in Seitilim. Don't postpone it till later in the week. Get together now, today. Get together when you're at Mincha today. Just ask everyone to stay for 10 extra minutes. Let us continue to harbor a feeling of unity that is unmatched by any other people in the world. Let us make sure no matter where we are on this globe, we are focused on our brothers and sisters in Israel. And if we're really going to feel this pain, this collective pain that our collective heart is going through as a worldwide Jewish community, then let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. And let's keep our brothers and sisters in mind. Let's think about the soldiers that have already been lost. And Yassi Balmel described that to us. And as I said, the world is much smaller now. We're going to be hearing about people that we know of and people who are sons of, of friends and of relatives. And, and, and we know this one. I mean, last night a woman called me and said, I know two people who are kidnapped. One, one is, the, one is um, a sister of a friend of mine. And the other one is somebody, a, a relative of somebody that I happen to know, not a friend, but somebody I happen to know. I, I imagine someone sitting here in Manhattan, and they could tell us that the, the because that's how, how small this world is now, this bridge between Israel and the diaspora. Rabbi Goldwasser, one more time, please join me in encouraging all community leaders, all rabbis, all shul presidents, just like we did in the Yom Kippur War. You remember this, as I do. During the Yom Kippur War, for a period of weeks, there was a set time in synagogues around this country. It could have been a few minutes after Mincha. It could have been 15 minutes before Mincha. It could have been in a very convenient time for those who didn't want to, you know, leave special from their home to, to, to go to shul late at night. But you remember 50 years ago what was going on in this country. It was emergency fund campaigns, and it was emergency Tehillim that went on. I remember it going on for weeks. Please help me encourage people that we can make an incredible impression on our children and grandchildren and our communities if we display Jewish unity through the power of Tehillim, the power of Torah, and the power of Tefillah. Rabbi Goldwasser. I could not encourage everyone throughout the world enough, strong enough, or emphasize the fact that we all have to get out, pray, to daven together, to unify together. The Talmud and Tainus says when there was an ace sorrow, when there was a time. All right, we um, we had uh, we had lost we had lost uh, our signal for a moment, and I apologize. We're in the middle of a conversation with Rabbi Goldwasser. 
we are trying we are trying to encourage people especially those who lead synagogues and groups around the world to um, schedule tefillah sessions sessions of Tehillim and special gatherings of tefillah and Rabbi Goldwasser I just mentioned how important this is and I just wanted to add the following there are many synagogues that have uh, established a custom of handing out portions of Tehillim in, in small sfarim, in small books, and everyone completes together in the period of, I don't know, five, ten minutes, completes the entire Sefer Tehillim. That is a practice that is well worth implementing at this time. That is a practice that is well worth implementing, especially in this era where people feel that they don't have the time, the patience, whatever it might be. That is a very effective method of people gathering together, 10, 20 people, everyone taking a section of Tehillim, saying it at the same time, and it gets completed. It gets completed together. It gives, it gives a lot of people a sense of purpose, gives a lot of people a sense of accomplishment when it comes to praying together to the one above. The other thing I wanted to mention was on our app, the same app that just informed me that we were off the air for a couple of minutes, on our app, there is um, there is an indication that at 9 o'clock this morning, uh, Eastern Time, there's going to be a, uh, a special request for Tehillim to be said. And there's a list of the chapters. There's a list of five chapters that's being requested that everyone say at 9 o'clock this morning. If you want to utilize that, call a vote. If you want to utilize that list, call a vote. But Rabbi Goldwasser, and you're still there with us, right? Sure. I wanted to say one other thing. We we are focused this morning. It's the first time we're able to gather. Yontif ended for us last night, so it's the first time we're able to gather on the air together and to express all of this. And I started the show by saying utmost and foremost, we are focused on the fact that we've lost whatever the exact number is, but hundreds, 700, hundreds of our brethren, our brothers and sisters, massacred in the way they were, tortured in the way they were. And, of course, that's got to be one of our primary um, objectives is to not lose focus on the enormity of this terrible tragedy. But there's a second component here, and that is the estimated, nobody knows an exact number, but this is the report we most recently heard, estimated 150 of our brothers, sisters, children that are being abducted and being held hostage by the enemy. And I don't know, as much as I'm unfamiliar with conventional warfare methods, I don't know how a government official or a leader of a great defense force is going to figure out how to bring those people home safely, knowing how they're being held, where they're being held, God knows with whatever intention the enemy has in terms of utilizing them to their advantage, I don't know how it's possible for someone to come up with a strategy to safely bring them home. But we do know of one who could provide a strategy to bring them safely home. And that is the one above. And if you want to pray for nothing else during this entire episode... 
if it's hard for you to focus on something that will spiritually enhance your prayer experience at this time, think of that. Just pray to the one above that he is able to give to those who are making decisions on behalf of the state of Israel and the army of the state of Israel. Just pray that he is able to give them the wherewithal, the knowledge, the, the strategy to be able to save our brothers and sisters. Because I don't know of anybody else that can come up with a, with a plan or a scheme at the moment to be able to safely get them home. But Rabbi Goldwasser, you know that it is in his power to decide the fate of those brothers and sisters that are being held. And we can influence the way he deals with this situation if we take our prayer and our saying of Tehillim very seriously. Definitely, definitely, there is nothing that's impossible. We have the power to influence the heavenly spheres. Hashem waits on it. Hashem waits to see what our response is. And there isn't a question that every single hostage be brought back safely. We daven for each and every one of them. I have full emunan bitachon that, as you say, that Hashem, the chonein Radom das, will give the knowledge and understanding and the wisdom for the great leaders and the military people to be able to figure out how to bring them home and bring them home quick. It's uh, the world. It's a Pella that the world has not shouted out oh. everybody together oh. on this alone. War crimes. You don't have to spend a lot of time and hire a professor to find out if it's a war crime or not. It's, uh, it is the worst. It's egregious. It's, it's heinous. It's, it's sickening to take people and tear mothers away from their children. <laughs> sick, sick minds. And Boreolam, and no question about it, Boreolam, it will bring each and every one of those hostages back, Bikarov. Oh. Especially that the enemy started out on the day of Hashem Simcha. It was Hashem's chasana. I don't think that Hashem takes kindly to someone that ruins his own wedding. And that's what Simcha's story is. The hand should come down from Shemayim immediately and return. Should make a big suda for all the hostages that come back quickly. And it's in our power to affect that, everybody. The one above wants to see how we're going to react. Every corner of the world, every synagogue, every school, take a few minutes. I'm not talking about hours. Take a few minutes. Every yeshiva, take a few minutes. Make it a few minutes before davening. Make it a few minutes after davening. Make it the entire Sefer Tehillim in just a few minutes. Um, say the specific Tehillim that's being recommended that you're going to see from different Jewish organizations, and including the uh, mention on our app that I just alluded to earlier. Let's uh, step up. 
the um, connection between us and our brothers and sisters in Israel. It's the least we could do, and many would say there's really nothing else to do right now from so many thousands of miles away. All right, Goldwasser, I thank you, and um, the um, the hundreds of neshamas, the hundreds of our brothers and sisters who were lost, God should avenge their murder, and uh, and the Jewish people should uh, should bounce back from all of this in uh, in great joy and simcha eventually. These are some very very difficult days, but uh, we know because we are we are believers in Netzach Israel. We are believers in Am Israel Chai. We know that uh, that we will bounce back, and the Jewish people and the people of Israel will bounce back from all this. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you for being mechazek, all of us, all the Jews in the entire world, and others as well. Yeshikach. Rabbi David Goldwasser, of course. I thank him. More coming up. Malcolm Holmline is in Israel, and he is hoping that he'll be able to check in with us after his visit to Hadassah Hospital, which is likely happening around now. So we'll hopefully have comments from Malcolm coming up uh, and more on a um, on a Monday morning broadcast here at JM. In the here.
Jam in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSegal.com and the AlchemSegal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Encouraging um, shuls and groups and schools, everybody to uh, participate in, uh, and to arrange and participate in emergency Tehillim and Tehillah sessions. Uh, it could be something as simple as gathering uh, for a few minutes before Mincha, a few minutes after Mincha, a few minutes before Marev, a few minutes after Marev, completing the entire Sefer Tehillim by divvying it up, splitting it among uh, those congregants who are there. A lot of different ways to do it. Very effective. One thing we know from our history, prayer to the one above is very effective, and right now we are focused on many things primarily the 700 that have been murdered by the enemy and the efforts by the IDF to keep the number where it is. And, of course, we are focused on uh, praying to the one above that he give the strength and fortitude and the cleverness and knowledge to somebody in the Israeli government or in the uh, leadership of the IDF to figure out how to get the hostages home safely. That is, uh, that is the question. That is the question. (sighs) 
how to get the hostages back safely. Uh, Nahum, thank you for helping us in this difficult time. We've been praying in Melbourne, Australia, including Tehillim at 11 p.m. after Yom Tov and a children's tefillah rally earlier today. More to follow in the days ahead. May we share good news. Thank you. Thank you. That gives us a lot of strength as we continue to encourage other communities and other schools and other shuls to do the same. Thank you for that. Um... Oh, I just heard from my friend Simcha by uh, text. We had a packed white shul last night at 10 p.m., a program that lasted for an hour and a quarter, including Rabbi Feiner and Rabbi Bender. Kol HaKavod, Kol HaKavod, Kol HaKavod, Kol HaKavod. No, I know, I know it took a tremendous tragedy, but um, you still don't know how everyone's going to react. And the way that our rabbinic leaders across the board have been reacting is uh, to be commended, and um, I'm still so thankful for those Torah leaders in Israel who insisted that the the new Zman, the new period of uh, intense Torah study, begin now, begin today, and not wait until uh, Rosh Chodesh Mar Cheshvan. I thought that was the right decision and a very important one for for all of Israel and for all the Jewish people around the world to see and to hear about. Yeah, I thought that was really, really key. Um, it describes the seriousness of the situation and the enormity that everyone feels regarding the situation. Um, we're waiting for word from Malcolm Holmline. He is at uh, Hadassah Hospital in Israel. Um Oh, we just saw the we just saw the news regarding the uh, rockets landing in Ashkelon. Four wounded in the rocket, including a four wounded in the rocket impact, including a seventy-five-year-old man in serious condition. Two men in moderate condition, fifty-five and thirty years old. Wow, and there are pictures of some uh, prominent rabbis arriving at the um, at at certain army bases to bless the troops. Wow. Yeah, that is uh, that is the only way. Unity is the only way. We've uh, we've seen other other ways tried, but. Um, But it's the only way. JM in the AM, Monday morning, legal holiday here in the United States of America. Normally I'd be saying that I hope your Yom Tov was uh, pleasant and family-oriented. Well, it was family-oriented, all right, but the larger Jewish family was the was the focus this Yontif as we tried to keep up with what was happening in Israel. Uh, we are hoping that Malcolm Holmline will join us in a few minutes. Again, it's all dependent on his visit to Hadassah Hospital, which is happening right now. And um, hopefully he'll be able to join us before we leave the air at 9 o'clock. 
Cousin Michael says both Orthodox shuls in Stamford, Connecticut, organized Tehillim gatherings today, and there will be a community-wide gathering of all synagogues and Jewish organizations tomorrow. Kolakavod. 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 There's only one thing we can do. Try to influence the one above that no more Jewish blood be shed and that he's able to transmit to the leaders of Israel the correct strategy to have the hostages returned home safely. Those are our two main focuses this morning, the safety and security of our brothers and sisters, including, of course, those in the IDF, quite obviously, and uh, the, the safety and security of those who are being held hostage by the enemy, who are going through the hell and torture of being held by the brutal enemy that has no sympathy, no mercy. Let's hope that sooner rather than later, our Israeli leaders come up with the correct solution, the correct formula, the correct plan, the correct strategy for them to be released safely. And that is worth praying for. More coming up. Hopefully Malcolm Holmline and more at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
mountains from whence from whence will my help come I lift up mine eyes unto the mountains from whence from whence my help come my help come from the Lord make of heaven and So just humming J.M. in the A.M. Shlomo Kalbach and S.I.N.I. of course. Mimama Kim. Avarachamim. Appropriate selections as we 
process what's been happening over the last couple of days in Israel. Um, Coming up at 9 o'clock, it'll be Rabbi Benji Kramer with me, Irmi Lim, and the word today is Milchama. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it'll be Rabbi Benji Kramer, May Irmi Lim, the word today is war, Milchama. Even the word war has to have a source, has to have a root, has to have an etymological legacy. Rabbi Benji Kramer with May Irmi Lim coming up. I don't know if we'll be able to uh, squeeze Malcolm Homeline from Israel into our broadcast this morning. We um, we were told to be able to join us as soon as his visit to Hadassah Hospital ended. Uh, but we're trying to be in touch and not having much luck. Um, if we do make contact with him, obviously he'll join us on the air sometime between now and 9 a.m. here at JM in the a.m. Monday morning broadcast, legal holiday here in the United States. As we said, may Yermi Lim with her I, Benji Kramer, coming up. The word is Milchama. That happens at 9 o'clock this morning. Tomorrow we're back, of course, starting at 6 a.m. I don't know what kind of week this is going to be. We had uh, certain guests and certain uh, conversations scheduled for this week. I'm assuming that unless things change drastically, that the focus of this week is going to continue to be what is happening in Israel and of course that's the most important thing uh, the New York Times is reporting on its virtual headline right this is not in the actual newspaper it's on the most up-to-date virtual headline Israel orders complete siege of Gaza as troops battle to secure border And here is what the um, article says, which was updated just 12 minutes ago. Israel's defense minister ordered a complete siege of the long-blockaded Gaza Strip on Monday as battles to drive Palestinian militants out of southern towns near the border stretched into a third day after a stunning incursion that has killed hundreds and provoked furious Israeli retaliatory strikes on Gaza. Defense Minister Gallant said that no electricity, no food, no water, no fuel would be allowed into Gaza, in effect cutting off a territory already under a 16-year blockade as Israel airstrikes continued to pound the tiny coastal strip. By the way, I'm sure people are curious who wrote this article. Isabel Kirshner and Aaron Boxerman are responsible for it. Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht of the Israel Defense Forces told a briefing Monday morning that troops were in some places still fighting militants who began their assault on Israel on Saturday. We thought by this morning we'd be in a better place, he said. Israel's chief military spokesman, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, later declared that the army had regained control of the border communities, but acknowledged that there may still be terrorists in the area as exchanges of fire between soldiers and military were heard in Kfar Aza, an Israeli village near the border. 
More than 700 people have been killed in Israel, and Israel has struck hundreds of targets in Gaza, leveling whole buildings that officials say are linked to Hamas. UN and Gaza officials said a mosque, a marketplace, homes, and multi-story buildings have been hit, adding to a soaring number of civilian casualties. As Prime Minister Netanyahu vowed to destroy Hamas and 300,000 reservists were mobilized, Israeli troops and tanks were being sent to the south to prepare for what military officials said would be the next stage of the war, which analysts said could involve a ground invasion of Gaza. But such an operation seemed unlikely to begin until Israel secures its own territory and its timing and scale remained unclear because Hamas and other militants, I I love when the New York Times uses the word militants, are holding at least 150 Israelis hostage. Hamas's armed wing, Al-Qassam Brigade, said that four Israelis being held by the militants were killed in an Israeli bombardment overnight along with the Palestinians holding them captive. The claim could not be independently verified. The Pentagon announced it was sending additional munitions to Israel and moving more Navy warships, including an aircraft carrier and combat aircraft, closer to Israel in a show of support. The United States is working to fulfill several specific requests from Israel for military assistance. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said without providing details. Israel appears to be nowhere closer to answering key questions about how it was caught unaware by the attack on Saturday, despite having some of the most extensive and sophisticated intelligence, missile defense, and spying networks in the world. Schools remain closed in Israel. Airlines have curtailed flights to Tel Aviv's main airport, and volunteers are donating blood and food. Israeli security said up to 109 people were believed to have been killed at the music festival early Saturday when militants swept into the concert site. Three miles from the Gaza border, video showed panic concert goers fleeing south into the desert and more than 100 abandoned vehicles on the side of the road. Um... This report, also from the Times, in Russia, the Kremlin adopted a neutral line in its first comments on the conflict in Israel and Gaza. That's contrary to what I heard yesterday, by the way. Although Russia had chosen sides yesterday. Anyway, uh, they've adopted a neutral line, a sign of how Moscow's relationship with Israel has deteriorated since the start of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. The Kremlin spokesman told reporters Monday that Russia was extremely concerned and called for an immediate halt to the fighting. The continuation of this round of violence, of course, is fraught with further escalation and an expansion of this conflict. Yeah, well. Um, Yeah, so that's uh, that's some of the latest updates regarding the, uh, the war. As I said earlier, the New York Times has a Virtual headline, Israel orders complete siege of Gaza's troops battle to secure border. Uh, I am encouraging everybody to pray to the one above, especially in the uh, synagogues and yeshivot schools as you gather for Tehillim sessions and remember those who have been uh, 
brutally murdered, the hundreds who've been brutally murdered at the hand of the enemy. Um, pray to the one above that he give the knowledge, expertise, wherewithal to Israeli leaders and Israeli defense force leaders to figure out an effective plan to have the hostages return safely to their homes. That is something we are praying for. Uh, we're waiting for word about uh, the possibility of Malcolm Holmline joining us. He's in Israel. He did express to us a few hours ago that uh, once his visit to Hadassah Hospital was over, he would be able to join us on the air. I don't know if that's going to be realistic as we get closer and closer toward the end of our broadcast this morning. Uh, but we will see. We will see. Um, I got a note here on the app. My son is studying at Yeshiva Torah Das. They began the Zman yesterday. Talmud Torah Tefillah and doing Gemilas Hasadim for the families in the Baca neighborhood who have a family member uh, who have who have a family member called up, which is many, including some of the Yeshiva Rabbeim. Kolakavod. All I could say is Kolakavod. I can't think of any leader that has not been there that has that has actively gone ahead um to show by example or to at least uh strongly suggest uh that everybody get involved in one way shape or form baruch hashem baruch hashem may that continue may that continue may that continue those of you who are in leadership positions in schools today elementary schools, high schools, especially the high schools. Israel advocacy is always critical. We know this, and it's something that I believe in tremendously. But here's an opportunity. Here is an opportunity that to show a high school student what it means to get politically involved, to utilize their social media, their email, to be in touch with their local and statewide and federal officials and express concern for what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Israel and to express concern about some of the pro-Palestinian demonstrations that are uh, that are popping up in too many cities. It's amazing. Nobody would ever... Well, whatever. Anyway... Um, so this is an opportunity. It's a really, really good opportunity uh, to show what it is to get involved, to make your voice heard, and how easy it is to do so. Incorporate that today. Incorporate that today. Uh, let's make sure that there are Tehillim sessions in schools. Let's make sure there's a... Um, there's guidance in terms of how to uh, go ahead and speak with public officials. Let us make sure that the hundreds of our brothers and sisters who've been murdered until this point are on the minds of everybody. They understand the enormity of it. And... Um, 
let's remind everybody in our community, old, old and young. Let's remind everybody that there's uh, an estimated 150 people that are being held hostage that are uh, at the mercy of murderers, at the mercy of those who do not in any way know how to act mercifully or with any type of... um, any type of uh, humanity. And uh, we would like to make sure that as many of them as possible, hopefully all of them are returned safely to their homes. And that is something that should be at the forefront of everyone's mind. The torture that they are going through and the urgency with which they must be brought home. This is a um, a Mishaberach for Sahal that was done by a Dove Farkas and Company. A Mishaberach, a prayer for those of the Israel Defense Forces. Avraham Yitzchak
We pray for the soldiers of the uh, Israel Defense Forces. Uh, Misha Berach, of course, we encourage everybody uh, when you do gather to uh, pray, to say Tehillim. When you gather and uh, remind everybody who's there to keep in mind, especially those who are being held hostage and certainly the uh, memory of those who've been murdered by the enemy. Um, keep in mind, to try your hardest, try your hardest to include Amy Shaberach for Chayalei Tzahal at that gathering as well. Try your hardest to include Amy Shaberach for the heroes of the Israel Defense Forces at all the gatherings that we're describing. JM in the AM Monday morning. A lot of stories are coming out of Israel. A lot of stories are coming out of Israel, and one doesn't know, you know what, what's accurate, what's exaggerated, but one just doesn't know. 
And then you hear stories from people who are, uh, who are obviously because of their closeness to the situation, who are privy to accurate information. You cannot believe the heroism of some of the people in Israel. I was just told of an Israeli soldier who uh, volunteered to go into one of the kibbutzim to try to help as the um, enemy was pursuing residents of the kibbutz. And um, he ended up being murdered by the the enemy. And... um, as I said, everybody, obviously everybody in Israel, and this, this has happened since the establishment of the state, everybody in Israel is certainly um, uh, familiar with, at the minimum familiar, if not directly uh, in contact with, with those who have, been, <clears throat> who have been falling during the wars and the terror attacks, etc. That's obvious for those who've been in Israel all those years. But now, as I said earlier, with the small world that we're all in, and the number of people over the generations that have moved from places like the United States to Israel. Now many of us know the, the victims, the volunteers, the IDF soldiers, who are children and grandchildren of people that we're very familiar with. And that is making this whole episode hit home even more for those in the diaspora. Normally we have this tremendous pain in our collective heart which I always describe and I believe it's like that all around the world when things like this occur especially with the enormity of this episode but um, now the um, because of the numbers and because of how many families are being affected I mean last night I received a call from somebody here lives a few miles from here and uh, they were telling me how they know the uh, the sister of somebody who was kidnapped. And they know the parent. Uh, they're friends with the sister of someone who was kidnapped. And they know somebody whose child was kidnapped. So it's like, um, and, and, and how many people already since the Yontov, since the Chag ended here in the diaspora, how many people already have seen uh, references? This one's nephew this one's close family friend. I mean, I'm just thinking of the examples that I came across over the last 12 hours or so. And um, the stories of heroism, the um, insistence, and this we've seen very, very often in our, in our history. But, but really, it has dominated the last 75 years. The insistence of people to sacrifice their own life, whether they know they're doing it or not. In some cases, they know they're doing it. In other cases, they may not be so sure. But the insistence of people to sacrifice their own lives to help others. And I'm not even acknowledging those who behave that way on a regular basis. First responders, etc. I'm talking about people who will put themselves in the most dangerous of situations, including confronting terrorists or the potential to confront terrorists just to try to help others. 
And what's unbelievable about all these stories, as each one of them comes out of Israel and more and more is learned, is how believable it is. That's what makes it so incredible, is that all these stories of people who will who would you know put themselves in a position to be abducted as long as the you know as long as they're able to save others from being so who will um you know jump in front of others when being shot at just to protect the women and children etc what's so unbelievable about the whole thing is how believable it is none of these stories surprise anybody this is the value that we give life, every life, including the lives of terror. You know, I don't know. I, I was one of the people who made the mistake of watching every video I could find last night. Uh, my niece had the most brilliant strategy. She only watched videos of, of soldiers who were receiving food and clothing and provisions and necessities from people along the road. She watched videos of people lined up to give blood. She was the smart one. I watched every video, um, including the ones that, it, that that displayed Jewish children being tortured, even if they didn't know they were being tortured. And, um, and one of the videos, of course, that stands out because we are raised in a certain tradition of how to treat life one of the videos that stands out to me is the uh, is the terrorists who are captured being fed and taken care of by volunteers or by army personnel as they're waiting, I assume, to be taken to jail or wherever they end up. <laughs> a soldier, a soldier giving water to a terrorist who may have just killed someone minutes before. Who knows? And they, of course, have their arms their arms tied, so they literally have to give them the water, like have to, you know, serve it to them. Yeah. We're raised very differently about how to treat life, how to treat others. And one of the things about the IDF that I never, ever stop admiring is that they will never allow the brutality and the disrespect and I'm using the nicest term I can come up with, the brutality and the disrespect that the enemy has for others' lives, they will never allow that to influence the way they behave. If it happens, if they, if they are influenced, it's, it's literally somebody just losing it, losing their patience, losing the ability to keep it together. Otherwise, if they're able to keep a, you know, a level head, they are behaving with as much respect for life as possible which is unbelievable. We're in the last few minutes of our live get-together, this gathering this morning. Um, my thanks to Yossi Baumel. My thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser. We'll have more, obviously, coming up this week. I, I don't have any better suggestions at the moment in terms of what we could do from so many thousands of miles away other than at the moment I'm encouraging everybody to spend time in school and yeshiva the principals, the teachers, the moras, the rabbeim, everybody spend time uh, explaining what's going on. Um, use the opportunity to create leadership roles, especially in the high schools. There are, there are high schoolers, uh, men and women in our community who are ready 
to uh, organize rallies, who are ready to organize letter writing campaigns, who are ready to explain to their fellow students how to use social media to be in touch with public officials on every level and to express concern for what's happening in Israel. There are, there are kids that with those abilities, let's bring out their incredible abilities now for the benefit of the Jewish people. And, they, um, and of course, as we keep saying, uh, oh, and I saw just now, I saw, uh, was it in Queens? Let me just see for a moment. Um, I don't remember where I saw it, but someone had sent me another announcement from one of the synagogues. Um, oh, here it is. Chef Barre sent it to me. The Vaderabunum of Queens and Rabbanay Q Gardens Hills urge all to attend the community-wide gathering of Tehillim. Baruch Hashem, they're doing this tonight. Thank God. Uh, Divrei Hisorus by Rabbi Daniel Lander, Kolakavod, Rav Herschel Welcher, Kolakavod, Kolakavod. Eight o'clock tonight, Young Israel of Queens Valley. Men and women are encouraged to attend. That's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. I, I said that you could even do it in a simpler, even do it more simply. Tell everybody for the next few days, we're gathering 15 minutes early for Mincha or we're staying 15 minutes after Marv, whatever the case is. Make it very simple on everybody. And I love the idea of people dividing up the Tehillim and, um, and saying the entire Sefer Tehillim together. But it's one of the few things we could do. That's why I, again, uh, laud the, the uh, rabbinic leaders, especially in Israel, who called for the yeshivas to open immediately, not to wait till next week, not to give people free time, uh, but to literally um, fill the yeshivas now. And uh, that's to be admired. And uh, hopefully with all the Torah study and the Tehillim and the, uh, and the prayers that are being uh, put together around the world, hopefully it will lead to a, a tremendous Yeshua. Hopefully it will, it will lead to a tremendous goodness for the Jewish people down the road. And I, uh, again, want to remind everybody, as much as we have tremendous sympathy and cannot express enough our concern for the families that have lost loved ones, and there are hundreds of families that are going to have a very difficult time recovering from the murder of their loved ones all over Israel, especially in the South. Uh, But in addition to that, imagine the pain and the anguish of those families of abducted children and adults and the elderly who are now being held hostage by the enemy. And if there is a specific group that we should give special attention to during our prayers, it is that group of people as we pray that the one above, the only one we can depend on, the one above, the only one we can depend on, that he give the insight and the wherewithal and the strategy and the smarts to the leaders of Israel and the leaders of the Israel Defense Forces to figure out how to quickly and safely get those hostages home. That should be our main focus. And that's something that everybody of every age can relate to, and that's why we need to uh, make sure to include all of our children and grandchildren, everybody who is capable of understanding, include all of them in the, um, in the request to keep that special group of people in mind. 
during this time. Rabbi Benji Kramer is next. He'll be analyzing the word milchama, ironically enough. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at AlchemSiegel.com and the AlchemSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a Monday edition here at JM in the AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. My thanks both to Rabbi uh, Goldwasser and to Yossi Baumel, who joined us from Israel. Um, plenty more starting tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Make sure to join us. All right, Benji Kramer's next. He has prepared a Meir Milim on the word Milchama. The word is war. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel. Pray that this war comes to an end soon. Pray that the uh, that the uh, Karbanot, the 700 of our brothers and sisters who have been taken from us, that their souls be avenged. And uh, pray for those who are being held hostage now by the enemy. Pray for their well-being and pray for their speedy release back to their homes. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.